This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown. It's Tuesday, February the 14th, 2023. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Coming up in the second hour of the show, Nelson Rago will tell you about a new wearable AR device called Transcribe Glass. And it's another edition of the Weekly News Quiz. The musical chairs continues with some familiar voices, but... A new constitution of contestants. Mike Ross will be involved. Janice Davidson Presk will be involved. And so will Karen McGee, all competing for the crown with Alex Smythe on vacation today. This winning streak is coming to an end in earnest. The hour begins with the regional news update. Starting in the territories, the labor strife continues between the city of Yellowknife and its unionized workers. Nicole Reese has the latest. The city says it added a one-time inflation adjustment and signing bonuses to its earlier offer of base wage increases of 2% per year for 2022 and 2023. The union, according to the city, had been seeking a 5% raise in 2022 and 3% in 2023, along with other perks that included an $800 per year increase to vacation travel assistance. Workers with the city of Yellowknife hit the picket lines last week, and the city locked out employees early last Wednesday after mediation between the parties failed. Nicole Reese, the Canadian Press. And over to British Columbia, the federal government is spending $1.8 million to revamp Vancouver's historic Chinatown. The funding will be used to modernize buildings, including the Chinese Cultural Centre, Chinatown Storytelling Centre, and the Dr. Sun Yat-sen Classical Gardens. There will be new lighting, signage, and awnings. Chair of the Vancouver Chinatown Foundation explains the importance of the investment. These improvements will not only make the neighborhood more beautiful, but will make it feel safer and more welcoming. After years of neglect, Chinatown will finally begin to get back a bit of the sparkle it had in its heyday. I should have mentioned the chair of the Vancouver Chinatown Foundation is Carol Lee. Over to the prairies. The federal government is providing over $6.5 million to help create at least 25 new affordable housing units in Regina. Housing Minister Amat Hassoun and Regina Mayor Sandra Masters announced the money yesterday. Regina is one of 41 recipients of the third round of Rapid Housing Initiative City Stream of Financing. The initiative provides funding for rapid construction of new housing and the acquisition of existing buildings for conversion to permanent affordable housing units. Over to Ontario, an investigation is underway into an explosion that injured 12 people in East Ottawa yesterday. Six people had to be taken to the hospital after the blast at a housing development. Two of them suffered serious injuries, but everyone was in stable condition. Ottawa police are working with Ontario's Ministry of Labour and the Ontario Office of the Fire Marshal to analyze what happened. Firefighters have said initially that a gas leak was the culprit. And over to the Atlantic provinces, the Newfoundland and Labrador government has asked the federal government for improved search and rescue efforts in Labrador. A team led by Lisa Dempster, Minister of Labrador Affairs, was in Ottawa last week to meet with federal officials to make the appeal. The team's ask includes the designation of the Five Wing Goose Bay base in Labrador as a search and rescue centre and the establishment of fast rescue stations and marine craft in the region. That's your look at the regional news. Brock Richardson is here for Sports Chats. Brock, the Parasport community is remembering Donna Zorn, who passed away. Brock, I know this is someone who had a personal influence on your life, but who was Donna Zorn? Why was Donna so important to the Parasport movement? Donna was really important to the Parasport movement um, because she championed uh, Parasports as a whole. Uh, she was a bocce referee. Uh, she traveled to many, many different uh, countries. And during her time 
she would always uh, not only champion the sport of bocce, but champion just the idea that athletes in general need to be spotlighted. And so for me, uh, Donna was always a person that when I knew that she was going to be the head referee at um, any given event, I knew that we were under good hands. And just to relate it to the regular, you know, conventional sports world, a head referee basically means a crew chief of umpires uh, in baseball. And so she's in charge of all of the referees and makes the final call on any discrepancies. And when you knew that she was the head referee, you knew that uh, the tournament was going to be run well. She had a great sense of humor. And the reason, Dave, this one kind of hits me a little bit more personally was because obviously I was heavily involved in bocce for many years. But just this past November, I um, called her to the podium at national championships in London, Ontario, while she inducted another colleague of hers, Sharon Martin, into the Hall of Fame. And there was no awareness of any sickness. She had a very short battle uh, with cancer. And unfortunately, we found out that yesterday afternoon, that on Sunday, she uh, passed away. So the community as a whole will miss her, but the bocce community specifically will really miss her because she was directly involved there. Brock, as Parasports and their growth are considered, so much focus, and for good reason, is on the athletes, because it's the athletes who are doing the performing, they're doing the achieving. But how often do we forget about the champions, the stewards, the organizers, the coaches, the referees? How often is their role underestimated? It's very underestimated, because you often hear that, you know, we don't want to hear from the referees in sports. We don't we don't want we just want them to do their job and do their job to the best of their ability. And I think when you have referees um that are involved and individuals that are involved that champion it, that goes far beyond just being a quote unquote referee. Donna was far beyond a referee and like I said, and I will repeat it, just a champion, not only in bocce, but parasports in general. And you need people like that in this uh, community to, to rise us as athletes to the forefront, because without people like that, we are not to the forefront and we need to be. Yeah. Brock, your other topic that you want to talk about today relates to this. It relates to the growth of Paris sport, but really and truly, it relates to the conversation that we had yesterday about the labor strife between the Canadian women's soccer team and Soccer Canada in regards to fair treatment, fair pay, fair resources, etc. But it's not just women's sports that faces these kinds of equity funding issues. That lies at the heart of some of the issues facing Parasport right now, whether it's at the grassroots level or whether it's at the elite level. So, Brock, you wanted to dive a bit further into fair funding of all sports. Yes. Uh, so I have a personal example of this. And I've often told you that there are tiers of sports that are are more recognized in the parasport community than others and i'm talking about the sports that people can connect to from the mainstream sports world so wheelchair basketball para ice hockey etc and in 2012 uh, we went to media day which was being held at pearson international airport uh, in toronto and uh, they had various dignitaries newspaper outlets all those things and during that time um they would call up different people from different sports and the wheelchair basketball coach, I can't remember if it was men's or women's program, but it doesn't matter. One of the coaches came up and the first thing they said was, I'd like to thank the government for their $1.3 million uh, donation. Uh, 1.2, excuse me, $1.2 million uh, donation to our program. It will really help us as we go forth to the Paralympic Games, and that turned a lot of heads because uh, there are some sports that do get adequate funding, and then there are some sports that don't. I can tell you that if the Bocce Canada budget was more than 150000 in a year, that was a good year for us. And so for 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 us, we looked at that and said, you know, well, that's a lot of money. And then, and then things started happening in the airport where you know, teams were getting together and saying, is your budget anywhere close to that? No. 
it, you know, ours is X, and it just it, it created a lot of heads to be turned. I understand why the coach did it because you got to be grateful for the money that's given, but it, it just shows the disparity between one sport and others. Yeah, the issue isn't that wheelchair basketball is necessarily getting good funding. It's that where's the good funding for everybody else? But there comes some huge knock-on effects to that conversation as well, which is that elite para-athletes, when they win medals, are going to win some money. There's going to be some financial compensation, whether that be the actual compensation you get for winning the medal, whether that be the possibility of being involved in advertising campaigns and picking up some ad dollars. And that leads to the event that I was at on Saturday night, the Great Valentine's Gala, where the organization behind it, the Foundation for Physically Disabled People, was is there to offer bridging in the money received by para-athletes relative to Olympians. It's something that we've talked about on the show quite a bit, is that an Olympian will get more money for winning a medal than a Paralympian. This organization aims to bridge that gap in and make and make these athletes whole for winning medals for the country. And, you know, there were several dozen athletes who picked up checks in the thousands of dollars on Saturday, as well as getting to have a great big party. But the knock-on effect is clear that if these sports are well-funded, there's a better opportunity for them to get on the podium and then get more of this money. So it's not just that it's a one-time, one-year disparity, Brock. There are longer-term implications when one program isn't as fairly funded as another. Yeah, there are. And and that's the thing. More More money should quantify into better results when you're able to use the resources and say get extra training you know uh use extra specialists like nutritionists massage therapy all those things all of that translates into success but without money it doesn't it doesn't translate there and i know i'm sort of stepping on my teaser of the neutral zone but we talked to devin haru yesterday who very clearly said to us, this whole idea of, you know, Paralympians getting funding for every medal they win, yes, it was reported on in Beijing, and yes, it sounded good, but we're still not there yet where, yeah. where they have definitively said, we're going to do this. And so, you know, that really makes me sad, you know, because in the media, we were, we were all led to believe, oh, this is going to be for the next games. And all of a sudden, talking to Devin Haru, Devin says... I think it's going to get done, but I can't guarantee you as much as I could when I reported on it because that's what we were led to believe as reporters. Yeah, and that comes down to individual Olympic committees who are making those choices. So, for example, in Australia and the United States, those Olympic committees do that. They say the policy is whether you're an Olympian or Paralympian, you're getting equal pay for a medal. So this is an internal Canadian conversation. It has nothing to do with the IOC. It has nothing to do with host nations. It has everything to do with an internal chat. And to your point, um, Devin also said in that interview that, you know, Karen O'Neill, who's the CEO of the Canadian Paralympic Committee, needs to be held accountable because, yes, the Canadian Paralympic Committee couldn't keep their lights on for many, many years, but now they are in a position to do that. So she needs to be among that and say, no, we're going to do this. And you're right. It is absolutely on the individualized Paralympic Committees and we can't just put everybody in the same box yeah. because there are some, as you point out, that are already doing the right thing. So we in Canada need to step up and do the right thing. But it's also part of the broader Olympic committees as well inside the countries that that, that equity funding typically does have to come from the top in terms of those other organizations. That, that to, to call the Paralympic Committee a subsidiary of the Olympic Committee would be a bit of an overstretch, but there is certainly a tangible connection between the two. There is, yeah. And, and they do have conversations um people people like to kind of say you know we're separate but there is a bit of togetherness and it would be nice to see sort of one help the other a little bit more i think i hear that the relationship is okay between the two but it's not where it could be yeah. and where it should be particularly on this funding uh conversation and look at chantal petty claire who won I don't even remember how many medals, but a ton of medals in her career and received zero dollars just on the basis of the medals alone, received zero dollars. Yeah. And she she's the one championing this and saying, we need to do this. But if nobody's listening to us championing, championing it, then where are we? What are we doing in all yeah. this? You know, and if you're not listening to the athletes, who are you going to listen to?
Mm-hmm. That's well put. Brock, you made mention of it. The Neutral Zone, which is the show that you host, airs Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio, available later on in podcast form as well as on YouTube. You got to speak with journalist Devin Aru. That's super cool. Yes, very cool. He he uh, was very, very honest with us. And, and you know, I, I we've done this for almost seven years, and I sat there as hosts, gripped into the conversation. It was a long conversation with Devin Haru. It was a frank conversation, and you're going to be gripped. I only touched the iceberg of what he touched on yesterday. It was amazing. He made us laugh and, uh, you know, made us frustrated. He did all the emotions yesterday in about a 20-minute interview. Yeah, Devin uh, has been on the beat for CBC for uh, quite some time doing Paralympic Games and curling. The guy has uh, has two creaky beats, curling in the Paralympics, Mm -hmm. and he does a great job covering both of them. Yes, absolutely. And he even tells us off the front that when he he re- he did the Arctic Games. He got frostbite. So uh, <laughs> l- listen to that story. That was that was fun to do. Oh my gosh, the dangers and perils of the industry. Brock, have a great day. You as well. That's Brock Richardson. He's the host of the Neutral Zone, which you can find Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI Audio, and then later on via podcast on the Mighty AMI Audio Podcast Network or on the Mighty YouTube. You can find the Mighty Mike Ross at the AMI Weather Desk. Thanks very much, Dave. We begin your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland, where it'll be cloudy today with the high of minus 6, the wind chill minus 17. To Charlottetown, cloudy with a high of minus 2, the wind chill minus 14. In St. John, New Brunswick, it's a mix of sun and clouds with a high of plus 1, the wind chill minus 13. In Quebec City, it'll be mainly cloudy with a high of plus 1, and the wind chill minus 9. Into Toronto, sunshine and a high of 9 degrees with a wind chill of minus 6 in the morning. To Sault Ste. Marie, sunshine, the high plus 5, and the wind chill there, minus 10. In Brandon, Manitoba, it will be mainly cloudy with some snow beginning this morning. The temperature falls to minus 11 this afternoon, the wind chill minus 22. In Regina, mainly cloudy, the temperature minus 14, the wind chill minus 25. Into Alberta, Lethbridge, clearing skies this morning. The high minus 5. The wind chill, however, minus 20. In Red Deer, it'll be a mix of sun and cloud with the high of minus 4. The wind chill, minus 21. To Whitehorse, where it will be mainly cloudy with a high of minus 7. The wind chill of minus 23. Kelowna, clearing skies in the morning with a high of plus 2. The wind chill will be minus 7. And in Vancouver, sunshine with a high of plus five today. The wind chill there, minus three this morning. And that was your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Thank you very much, Mike. Coming up after the break, there is a new wearable augmented reality device called Transcribe Glass. Nelson Rego will tell you all about it. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. There's a new type of augmented reality glasses on the market. It feels like I'm telling you about a new AR glasses every single week. These ones are called Transcribe Glass, and they are particularly designed for people who are deaf or hard of hearing. Here to tell you more about them is Nelson Rago, the founder of Cool Blind Tech. Hey, good morning, Nelson. Hey, how's it going, Dave? Good, man. So we're talking a lot about different kinds of AR glasses pretty much every week when we chat with you. How does the transcribe glass work? Uh, well, this one uh, is... Um, the difference with this one is actually it's uh, the price is actually quite affordable. Um, so in this case, uh, this particular device, it would, um, let's say, for example, if you're in a movie theater, it'll grab the uh, caption files uh, via the, the movie theater and then it'll uh, project them onto uh, a screen, so an augmented uh, screen that's uh, a lens in front of you. And then uh, you can actually change uh, the size of the text. You can actually uh, move it around on the lens, um, and depending on your environment. Uh, it can also uh, grab um, like uh, augmented, uh, or sorry, uh, audio uh, recognition services as well. 
uh, and also uh, live uh, captioning as well. So, um, and it does it in real time in this uh, particular case, and, and it all just rends, uh, rests on your, uh, you know, on top of your nose like uh, wearing eyeglasses. Obviously, for you and me, we are people from the blind and low vision community, so it's tough for us to say exactly how beneficial a product like this may be. But what are the proposed benefits of these AR glasses? Yeah, I, I have a number of friends that uh, actually are, are deaf, so um, so I'm always looking into these sort of uh, things for them. Uh, and I thought this would be useful for the listeners out there as well. Um, so, I mean, the key uh, benefit for this particular one, so, if, for example, if, uh, if uh, two people are having a conversation with each other, um, this will allow you to have, like, direct face-to-face contact, uh, which is important when you're in a social situation where uh, you're looking at the person that you're talking to as opposed to, uh, you know, I've, I've known some people uh, who kind of look away when you're having a conversation with them. Uh, but that's a, more of a blind thing than, than anything else that I've I experienced. Uh, but this is, is uh, one good thing that uh, that allows uh, uh, to do with this uh, bit of technology. So we're not even necessarily all the way into beta yet, but what has been the feedback so far from users in testing? Well, th- this one is actually uh, in beta now. So um, they've got some uh, beta devices uh, that they've been using, and they've had uh, 300 users uh, use the, the particular device. Um, and they've uh, got feedback such as um, if someone's in a uh, medical situation uh, with a waiting to be called in the waiting room at a doctor's office, uh, this allows them to actually uh, hear their or you know see their name being called as opposed to uh, you know someone calling out your name and, and then you miss your turn because uh, they didn't realize that uh, you had hearing loss. Uh, so so that's one uh, big benefit uh, to this. Um, and then uh, like I said earlier with the uh, um, uh, the direct face-to-face uh, contact as you're speaking with each other. Uh, some users would, uh, would do a test where they're walking down the street and they're trying to have a conversation and, and find it very difficult to, to have that conversation. Um, there's actually uh, other uh, services that are more affordable, uh, like the, there's the Google uh, Live transcription services, which is free. Uh, there's the Otter uh, AI um, but then that doesn't allow you to have that face-to-face contact uh, when you're conversing with someone. So you mentioned that there is some beta testing going on or a beta version available. Uh, when is it going to be more broadly available, or how can people get their hands on some of these betas? So in a couple of months, uh, they looks like they've uh, in the process of developing 150 of these, uh, and then they're going to be selling them at, uh, I believe this is U.S. dollars, so $55 U.S., and then after that, they're going to do a, uh, a non-beta version, which is a, a public uh, general release. And then they'll be charging $95 uh, for those. So uh, I, I've never seen anything that priced. So it's um, a bit surprised like how low they got it uh, for the pricing. But um, yeah, this would be definitely worth uh, looking at uh, for people that uh, are interested in this type of technology and, and you know, to the low barrier to get into uh, price-wise. Very good. From and AR, it, uh, should be coming out in the next couple months. Okay, very good. From AR glasses to facial ID recognition on an iPhone, a way that a lot of people unlock their phone is indeed with face recognition. But you, as part of the tech tip of the day, want to give something of a heads up here. So what should users be aware of? Yeah, so uh, a lot of people may not realize it, uh, but when you enable uh, voiceover on your iPhone, it disables... Uh, the the attention feature for uh, Face ID, and um, if if you're a parent like myself who has a, a kid that's smarter than you, uh, they, they could use your phone <laughs> while you're sleeping, <laughs> so I could take your phone, uh, point it at you, and because uh, it's not allowing, uh, it doesn't need the um, the eye detection for that to work, so you don't need your eyes open. Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm trying to be a little bit proactive with my with my daughter because uh, she's already smarter than me. And, and she's already uh, done some technical things that uh, I wasn't aware of. Uh, all, all of a sudden, the, all of a sudden, the, all of a sudden, the Amazon orders and the uh, skip the dish orders start piling up <laughs> at your house. Yeah. So, uh, so this is not for everyone. Just uh, so people know, because it, this was specifically for people that uh, are blind or may have uh, sunglasses. Um, so, for those people that that need that uh, that can't use it otherwise, uh, you, you know, you'd want to keep that feature, but. Uh, 
Um, for those that weren't aware, that uh, you can actually um, have that additional uh, extra security feature, uh, but you'll you'll need to have the uh, the eye attention where you're staring at the camera. Uh, so if that works for you, then I would say uh, enable that feature, and and you could do that within uh, settings, accessibility settings. Uh, there's a face ID, and then you can just enable the uh, uh, the attention feature there. Uh, and then if you find that it's not working for you, then you can e easily just uh, turn that back off. But, uh, yeah, I wasn't even aware of it myself that it, it turns it off automatically uh, when it enables uh, voiceover. Nelson, thank you for this. Always appreciate your insight onto the world of technology. Thanks for having me. Take care. That's Nelson Rago, the founder of Cool Blind Tech, speaking to you in Edmonton. Coming up after the break, it is indeed Valentine's Day, so we want to talk a little bit about... Uh, the day, give it a little bit of love, but also say, where does it stack up in comparison to other Hallmark holidays? Mike Ross, Ramya Amuthan, and Nizreen Abdel-Majid will share their thoughts. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-TV. It's Valentine's Day. Ramya Amuthan and Nazreen Abdel-Majid will pop by for a roundtable conversation in just a moment. But to set the whole thing up, Mike, it being Valentine's Day, you've got statutory holidays, or in this case, Hallmark holidays on the brain. Exactly. I mean, we celebrate you know, religious holidays, uh, winter and spring. You think of uh, Christmas, Hanukkah, Eid, Passover, Easter, et cetera, et cetera. But then you have the Hallmark holidays. And while these holidays like St. Patrick's Day, St. Valentine's Day, uh, Halloween, certainly have origins and roots based in religion, they're not really held for religious purposes. There may be some uh, feasts uh, celebrated uh, within certain religions around those holidays, but generally speaking, I call them hallmark holidays, that they're all about some kind of celebration where you know, the, the corporate entities make their money. People have a lot of fun with them, but they're not the deeply sort of religious uh, holidays that we have. So I always find that uh, you know, no matter what, there's there seems to be pressure around some of these holidays, right? So St. Patrick's Day, you know, whoa, you're not wearing green today. Uh, Halloween, what? You're not, you know, handing out candy tonight? Uh, but I find the pressure is is like exponentially higher on Valentine's Day. And just going through through social media today, like everybody I know, who is who who's been married for a long time and I know that they are deeply in love with their spouse and Valentine's Day there's still this obligation of putting out a photo of you and your spouse and how much you love them and it's like well hmm I I do that through the year my wife does that through the year like we've got a, a 365 day relationship going where we we've never really felt the need to do the big thing on Valentine's Day that we've always kind of just felt it was like, eh, once in a while, you know, you, you happen to be at a store, you buy a chocolate or something, but it's never been anything bigger than that because we do so many things together um, as a couple through the rest of the year. So it really is a Hallmark holiday uh, for us. But I was just kind of curious of all the Hallmark holidays, you know, what, is your favorite what do you do on your favorite hallmark holiday and how do you feel about the pressure that uh, is sort of felt and and put out on people on a day like today for example where it's going to be all about couples and you know declarations of love and wedding proposals etc cetera, etc cetera. okay a lot of questions to unpack there so let's start in the current with it being valentine's day Nazreen, what's your general vibe on Valentine's Day? 
I like it. And I'm so glad you brought this up, Mike, because my dad thinks that, you know, 365 days, that's Valentine's Day is every day. Aww. Even though, you know, there's no like, you know, general flowers and chocolate every day, but he still feels like the relationship is still strong and 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 good throughout the year that you don't need to specifically one day a year show that love and show that you care. So he feels Look that, at your dad, I the that. hopeless romantic. I love it. Yeah. My mom thinks, you know, he could be more romantic, but, you know, it's, it's, I think it's so cute. It's, it's like, okay, if every day is Valentine's Day, where's where's the where's the love every day? You know what I mean? Um, but it's, it's still cute. I like the way he thinks. Uh, I agree with that. I feel like it's such a, people feel like there's an obligation to post their relationship so much and, and write a big poem on their posts just to show, okay, you know what? See that like, this is my relationship. This is how it is. <laughs> Valentine's day. I honestly hated it for such a long time, but recently I'm like, you know what? I want to show some love. I want to show this. So hmm. it's, it's, I wonder what changed in your I life. I wonder why. I wonder mm. what changed, you know? Mm. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, like I, uh, <laughs> going back to that, I, I honestly didn't feel like there's a need to show that in public on social media. You could do this in private. There's nothing wrong with that. But mm -hmm. I feel like there's a lot of pressure on social media. Ramya, your vibe on uh, Valentine's Day. <laughs> I just have no serious opinions about Valentine's Day. It's fun. It's cute. There's always a good excuse for chocolate in my life. Um, so, but I, you know what I like doing? I like celebrating the the girls in my life on Valentine's Day. I just think it's going back to what Mike was saying about all the pressure, all the, you know, should we, can't we, and is this a real big day? Not really, not for me at least. But it's fun. And therefore, it can feel festive mm. when you're just kind of sharing the love, sharing the good vibes. And most of the time I'm doing that with my mom. Like, I love uh, giving my mom something on Valentine's Day and all the special girls in my life. What, what did Leslie Nope call that on Parks and Recreation? Was it Galentine's Day? Galentine's, yeah, yes. That but technically, yeah. that's the day before. Oh, okay. So it's two-part, okay? It's yesterday and today. <laughs> A two-part celebration. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't have too many strong feelings here or there on Valentine's Day. Like I was saying yesterday, in life, it's important to let people feel the love when they want to feel the love and not judge them for it. So if somebody mm -hmm. wants to enjoy the day, enjoy the day, please enjoy. If you're feeling like it's too much pressure, then maybe bow out and, and do something else. Uh, or do what I do every Valentine's Day, which is eat peanut butter directly out of the jar with a spoon <laughs> to like really represent uh, my place in the world. And I'll tell you, I was having a really rough Valentine's Day in, on February 14th of 2012. And uh, my co-host on the radio show at the time asked me, Dave, what are the plans for Valentine's Day? And I told her all about me eating peanut butter out of the jar, a tradition unlike any other. And this is what I loved about doing local radio. A listener of the show emails in and says, Dave, your Valentine's Day sounds so sad. I want to bring you a present. I live not far from the station. Can I drop it off at the front desk? I said, oh, yeah, absolutely. Drop it off at the Aww. security desk and have them buzz me down and I'll, and I'll come say hello to you. So no joke, he comes by like within five minutes of sending the email, which later in life after having a couple on-air stalkers, maybe maybe I should have been a little more uh, uh, delicate about this, but at the time I was naive and uh, into it. So I go out the front desk and he's standing there and he hands me a jar of homemade peanut butter and he's like, here, this is for you for your Valentine's Day. I have never felt so loved in my entire life and I think about it every Valentine's Day since. What a sweet gesture that that listener of the show had to, to give me a little bit a little bit of the love mike what is the sweetest gesture you've received or given on valentine's day even though you kind of expressed your scroogeness over the holiday um i can't think of one to be honest i mean maybe go back to when uh my wife and i were in we were dating in high school maybe those like those uh, valentine's day candy grams that uh, that were a big thing that we uh, we would send each other but i think i think that would be like the the height of it i mean because for us like i said we do so many things together through the year i mean just go back to christmas when we were on vacation we were in arizona for christmas and mm -hmm. i was playing around a round of golf well rather than sit alone in the hotel room 
my wife rode in the cart with me for the entire round of golf and she was taking (laughs) pictures and enjoyed the sunshine. And I mean, there's a Valentine's day moment for you. It just happened to happen on December 25th instead of February 14th. So, so yeah, again, the, the biggest thing for me is I just don't want people to feel like, Oh my God, I'm not in a relationship and Oh, I don't have that significant other in my life right now. Yet everybody in the world seems to be posting and, and, and it's all about this holiday and I don't have plans. It's no big deal, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's just honestly, just another it's day, another day. And just as you might not do a, a big splash on Easter, then don't worry about not making a big splash on February 14th. Nizreen, uh, a favorite gesture that you've either received or given on Valentine's Day? I think it's when my sister showed up with uh, just baskets for my other sister and Aww. my mom as well. And she put like a teddy bear and some chocolates and like just a full basket of uh, even a bath bomb and stuff like that. Just really cute. It just shows appreciation to the girls as well. I love what Ramya said. Valentine's Day is very important, <laughs> especially when like you have sisters. It's it's really cute. Yeah. So it's not it's not even about a guy or anything. No, it's like Valentine's Day is, is adorable. Ramya, favorite gift or gesture on Valentine's Day or Valentine's Day as this uh, segment <laughs> has shifted into? That's right. Um, one year, my mom being the practical person that she is, my phone was broken. This was the Nokia N95, like really back in the day. Oh, old school. Uh, I wow. know the brick, but it was such like I was so sad about this phone and it happened like late January and then I kind of forgot about it. I'm like, okay, whatever. Eventually I'll get a new phone. But my mom had fixed it for me, not a new phone, but got it fixed and gave it to me on Valentine's Day and she's like, this is the real meaning of love. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Okay, let's go back to Mike's broader question here. What is your favorite Hallmark holiday? For me, it's easy. Give me St. Patrick's Day, an an opportunity to uh, day drink and uh, eat Mm. stew, like rock and roll sign me up. Ramya, what about you? Favorite Hallmark holiday? I don't know if Christmas counts as a Hallmark holiday in Mike's books, but it is in mine because I don't celebrate it for anything but the festivities and the food and like mm-hmm. all the fun and people. So that. You know, that that's one of those interesting things about perspective because I would have told you that American Thanksgiving is one of my favorite Hallmark holidays. True. Again, day drinking and day football on a Thursday. Hello. <laughs> Nizreen, what about you? I would say between Thanksgiving and Halloween, uh, I would say Halloween because, you know, candy and we always go on uh, like the night of the 31st and just grab all the candy on sale. And that's our tradition, basically, (laughs) Um, for our family. We don't actually celebrate it, but we love the chocolate and candy and, and that's what we get. But I just like how excited people get as well. They're so creative on Halloween, and uh, it's just that creativity that makes it more exciting about whatever it is. And even mm. Thanksgiving, people just get so excited and lovey-dovey between their families, and I think it's nice. Mike, favorite Hallmark holiday? Yeah, um, it's it's a bit of a flip between U.S. Thanksgiving and St. Patrick's Day, but also, again, St. Patrick's Day with my friends in South Buffalo at the Blackthorn uh, Irish Pub. Uh, we we would march in the uh, old First Ward parade uh, with them on the float and the big keg of Guinness on the float, mm-hmm. and marching in the parade, throwing candy to kids while, you know, downing uh, 12, 13, 14 Guinness uh, throughout the parade. Ooh. That is a lot of fun. And we, we enjoy <laughs> that a lot. But once you've experienced U.S. Thanksgiving and honestly, any any excuse to deep fry or uh, put a turkey on the barbecue, I'm in. Yeah, there we go. I like it. A little bit of consensus here. Mike, Nazreen, thank you guys. Ramya, before you say goodbye, you are the co-host of Kelly and Ramya, which hits the airwaves at 2 p.m. Eastern time, Monday to Friday on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. What's coming up on the show today? Are you a fan of mushrooms, Dave? Uh, Depends on the mushrooms. Well, okay, I'm talking about, you know, food. Uh, (laughs) I don't think that clarified anything, but um, we're talking about mushrooms. They add a lot of flavor to your dishes, but they also add a lot of health benefits. Again, talking about the food. We're talking to nutritionist Julia Karanchis more about mushrooms today. And we're talking to Susie York. She decided to use her youngest daughter's college fund, there's a story here, to start Susie Good Fats, and then she created this worldwide 
worldwide venture, which culminated in her latest product, the 4X Better Chocolate. So we're going to learn more about this because chocolate and Valentine's yeah, Day. Yeah, heck yeah. Oh, yeah. And we have our monthly collection segment today. Travel memorabilia, roadmaps, and travel posters are on the docket because this is the collection of uh, John Melville. And we're going to talk to him about that. Oh, uh, John Melville has uh, quite the garage, I've been told, yes. with many, many different kinds of collections. It's always fun to bring in uh, Johnny Mills. Ramya, thank you for this. Thank you. That is Ramya and within the co-host of Kelly and Ramya, which comes your way 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. Coming your way next, it's another edition of the Weekly News Quiz. Mike Ross being put to the test, Janice Davidson-Presick being put to the test, and Karen McGee making her return to the News Quiz as well. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. It's Tuesday. It's the last segment of the show. You know what that means. It's time for the weekly news quiz. That is right. Some familiar faces and voices joining the quiz today, but... I believe it's the first time we have this constitution of the quiz saying hello yet again to Mike Ross. Hello, Mike. Hello, Dave. We also have Janice Davidson-Presick making her return. Janice, you've claimed that you've studied for this news quiz. Oh, you weren't supposed to share that information. I'm I'm feeling pressure now. Okay, now I've put the extra (laughs) pressure on you. And over the phone, because Elon Musk is a dirty liar. No, no, wait, that's libelous. Because Elon Musk exhibits the behavior of a dirty liar. It's Karen McGee in Morrisburg, Ontario. I'm pretty sure he heard all the bad things they said about him and turned off my. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's how it goes. They're always listening. All right, a quick refresher on the rules here in case it's your first time watching the show. There are three rounds of questions with three questions per round. Each question comes with three multiple choice options. If you answer the question without hearing the options, you get two points. If you need to hear the options and get it right, you get one point. If you get it wrong, we move on until the point is awarded. The order of contestants was drawn by Mary Daniel, the wife of producer Paul Daniel, who came up with the questions. The order will be Janice, Mike, and Karen. So Janice, beginning with you, what province announced last week it would make September 30th a National Day for Truth and Reconciliation a paid provincial statutory holiday? Could I have the options, please? Was it Manitoba? Was it British Columbia? Or was it Newfoundland and Labrador? I'm going to go with Manitoba. That is incorrect. Mike Ross, the question goes to you. I'll say British Columbia. That is correct. If With BC making that motion, they're joining PEI, the Northwest Territories, Nunavut, and the Yukon as jurisdictions that have officially designated the 30th as a statutory holiday. So one point for Mike Ross. Mike, um, this question is desperately too easy. I should have changed it. Uh, LeBron James scored 38 points last week for the LA Lakers to become the NBA's all-time scoring leader. Who did LeBron James pass to take that lead? Well, I'm going to to pull the same move that LeBron did uh, on TV at the Super Bowl. I'm going to put the crown on my own head here (laughs) and say Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That is two points for Mike Ross. Mike off to a commanding 3-0 lead before Karen McGee has even had an opportunity to answer a question. But Karen, here's an opportunity for you. Lawmakers in Massachusetts have proposed reducing prison sentences for inmates who offered to do which of the following? Paul, you have to stop writing questions that are which of the following? Because how's Karen supposed to guess for yes. two now? Karen, what can, a, what can an inmate do to try and get, uh, try and get their sentence reduced? I'll take the choices. Uh, Paul, 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 Paul. Uh, community service for one year. Donate their organs or volunteer for military service. I'm going to go say community service. That is incorrect. Janice, an opportunity for you to steal a point here. Can you repeat the options, please? So your options are donate their organs or volunteer for military service. 
oh, volunteer for military service. That is incorrect. Mike Ross picks up oh the God. Mike Ross picks oh, up really? the uh, Wow. Uh, Donate their organs? Yeah. Uh, the bill states inmates could get a minimum of 60 days and a maximum of 365 days off their sentence if they take part in the ethically challenged program. Uh, wow. I'm assuming it'd be they, because, like, I'm, is this like they're still alive? Like, they, yeah, they, like a live donation I, or I, after they're dead? Yeah, I could use that point of clarification as yeah. well. I'm assuming that it's after you pass away. I assume you don't give away your liver to uh, you take get, a kidney if you knock off three months, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah well, you know, I'd say a kidney is worth the full year. I'd say a kidney yeah, is worth well, the full maybe. year. Uh, okay, your lawyer to negotiate I have opinions. That. <laughs> Karen, I'll give you 30 seconds for your opinion. As someone who's just gone through the whole kidney donation process right now, yeah, that's not cool. Like, we mm -hmm. have to find papers that there's no exchange of money or funds for the kidney I'm donating. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. See, look at this, Karen with, the, Karen with the take. After one round, Mike off to a commanding lead. By my score, it's 4-0-0 right now, which is a lot. And Mike now gets question number one of round number two. And I feel like Mike's going to get this one as well, because it's also from the oh. world of sports and the world of the NHL. Uh, <clears> it was <throat> recently announced that Marty Walsh, a member of President Biden's cabinet, was leaving the position to become the union leader for the National Hockey League Players Association. Uh, Mike, what position uh, did did uh, this person hold? Uh what position did Marty Walsh hold in the Biden administration? That's correct. That's correct. I had to change it Paul's wording because, once again, it wasn't written properly. Secretary of Labor. That is correct. Two points for Mike Ross. Six zero zero across the board. Uh, Walsh was also the mayor of Boston before joining the Biden team as uh, Secretary of Labor. Okay. Yeah, I'm just going to put my feet up now. Yeah, Mike is off to a pretty <laughs> commanding lead here. I think you can take a couple knees here between now yeah, and the end of the yeah, game. I heard Karen's uh, <laughs> sigh there. <laughs> Karen? It could have been mine, too. <laughs> uh, Karen, going to the world of international climate policy, which country is considering a law to require solar panels in all parking lots above a certain size? So Mike Ross gets the LeBron James question, and I get solar panels. Yes. Awesome. I'll take the choices, please. Uh, France, Spain, or Colombia? France. That is correct. One point for Karen McGee. Woo! If implemented, the initiative could boost France's electrical capacity by 8%. All right, Janice, there's a chance for you to get on the board here as well. Also a question from the world of sports. What high-profile NHL player received his first-ever game misconduct this past weekend? May I have the choices, please? Is it Alex Ovechkin, Connor McDavid, or Sidney Crosby? You know, I'm going to go with Sidney Crosby because he's just such a nice guy. That is correct. It's his first Thank ever game misconduct. <laughs> first time in his 18-year career that he's received a, a game misconduct. All right. So after round number two, we've got Mike with six, Karen with one, Janice with one. You know, there are still, in theory, six points available here. So there still could be a comeback if things go all the way right. Karen, your question coming from the world of science. Scientists are using CRISPR gene editing technology to insert a disease-resistant gene from which animal into farmed catfish to make them resistant to various viruses and bacterias? So catfish are having the genes sure. inserted into them. What is the gene coming from? I'll take the choices. Is it a pig, a baboon, or an alligator? A baboon. That is incorrect, which then gives uh, Mike Janice a chance to steal this point. Come on, Janice. A pig. That is incorrect. Default point for oh. Mike Ross. It is indeed the oh. mighty alligator. Come on. The Who would have thought? Swine flu, right? First, first one that came to mind. And then you think of any diseases that you know they immediately point to the monkey is the the origin of. It was obvious it was alligator. obviously it Come was on. an old dinosaur. Uh, by the way, it's <laughs> Auburn University that's uh, doing this research. So uh, go Tigers, go Alligators, go Tigers. Uh, question number two of round number three, going to Janice. Janice, the unidentified object that was shot down by the U.S. on Saturday was in Canadian territory. In what territory was it shot down? Okay, I'm... 
all, like 99% sure it's a Yukon. That is correct. Two points for Thank Janice God. Davidson Pressing. Good job. Sitting there. Nicely done, Janice. Well done. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says he gave the order to shoot down the object to protect air traffic in Canada. And question number three of round number three, even though it's a foregone conclusion, let's uh, at least indulge in this question. Mike, Frank Leo received a promotion last week with a new job in Toronto. What's Frank Leo's new job? Dang, the one question Mary didn't email to me. <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> I'll take the options. Uh, interim mayor of Toronto, the Catholic Archbishop of Toronto, or appointed to the College of Cardinals? Uh, I'll say Archbishop. That is correct as Mike Ross continues right. to dominate, dominate, dominate this game. I think I've lost count. I don't have that many fingers on my hands, but we don't even need a total final rundown on this score. We can simply say the winner is... I found myself. The crown is on my head. Mr. Mike, LeBron. <laughs> Mr. It's Mike Ross. It's slipping. <laughs> Mr. Mike Ross filling in in the Alex Smythe seat and continuing the Alex Smythe win streak. Mike, well done. Congratulations, Thank Mike. Thank well you, deserved. Janice. Janice such I'm going back on vacation. <laughs> Karen, we'll get to you in a second, but I wanted to offer Janice congratulations. Janice, I can tell you worked hard. Just a couple tough questions there. You did a good job. Thank you for Thank once you again so being part of the quiz. Anytime. Love it. So that fun. is Janice Davidson Presick and Karen McGee. You know, we understand when you go on vacation, you're away for a few weeks and you're not sleeping with uh, CNN on overnight in your bedroom. You know, you slip a little bit. It's okay. I'm going back on vacation. There was giraffes outside my, my balcony. I'm going back there. It's true. It if, if if we had just had questions about giraffes, Karen would have been all set. <laughs> <laughs> and my internet worked there, yeah. so you know, hey. Yeah. Uh, Karen, good luck with uh, Mr. Musk and his pesky satellites. <sighs> Thank you. Well, poor Karen. I feel I feel so. Someone go to Morrisburg and give Karen McGee a hug or at least give her a jar of peanut oh. butter or something. Uh, this... Oh. That's all the time. <laughs> okay, we need to cut Karen's mic. It's going to make me laugh too much. Uh, that is all the time we have for the show today. Don't worry. We will be back again tomorrow. Megan Gilmore and Jenny Bovard will be here. So will Shiny Saravana Muthu. Amy Manti's stopping by as well. Until then, I'm Dave Brown reminding you to play safe, play fair, but don't forget to have some fun. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.